HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. We've been making cheese in Wisconsin since before we were even a state, which may be one reason why we win so many awards for it. It's what happens when a whole state dreams in cheese. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Welcome to Pizza Quest. I'm Peter Reinhardt, a man on a never-ending search for the perfect pizza. This show is the audio version of the Pizza Talk YouTube series, where I engage in interesting conversations with some of the country's greatest pizza makers and other artisans. Thanks for joining me on this quest. Welcome to Pizza Quest. I'm Peter Reinhardt, and I'm with Audrey Sherman of Audrey Jane's Pizza Garage in Boulder, Colorado, right? And that's uh, you know like a one-of-a-kind place. Uh, if you haven't been to Boulder, you may not know about it. If you've been to Pizza Expo, you've probably met Audrey. That's where we first met, right? I think I, I met you at last year's. Was it last year or the year before at the Expo? It you might were... have been, but I think I met you at Tony's years and years ago. Wow, that's right. Back when we were like recording there, I think. You, you, yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that journey because uh, you know, uh, right now, Audrey's Pizza Garage has been featured on the Food Network and everywhere else, so it's starting to get its own reputation. But there's a whole lead up to that 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 allowed you to go from from where from Italy to to Boulder. And uh, get, fill us in a little bit on that, Audrey. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I actually I grew up in a family bagel business, which we still have, um, and that's where I think I initially got my love of bread and all things gluten. <laughs> where is that business? Uh, it's in Boulder, Colorado as well. Yeah, oh, okay, we cool. started it, I want to say, almost like 27 years ago. Um, we've had it for a really long time. And they're still there every day. <laughs> and from there, I went to school for journalism in San Francisco. And I went to Italy on a, a journalism internship. And I actually fell in love with pizza there. And I came back and I was trying to make my own pizza at home, like reading everything out there and like going to all the pizzerias and trying to figure out what the secret was. <laughs> little did I know there's so many secrets and everyone does it a little bit differently. But you were exactly on your own pizza quest, basically. I was on my own pizza quest, exactly. And I, it was right around the time that Tony was opening his uh, San Francisco location, his 
flagship shop. Um, and he was offering classes. So I took one of his pizza classes and I just hounded him with questions. And finally, at the end of the course, I can somehow convinced him to hire me because, <laughs> you know, it's amazing to take these classes and have this knowledge, but I'm the kind of person who really needs to like, you know, put it into like a hands-on thing. And yeah, yeah. I was just like astounded by Tony and his knowledge. And like, this must have been about ten years ago then, because that's when we were that's when we were actually filming Tony the first time for Pizza Quest. Uh -huh. It was I, yeah, ten years ago. <laughs> that is amazing. So, uh, uh, but let's go back to Italy for one second before we move forward, because uh, while you were there, uh, did you have any, uh, let's say, a, a pizza experiences of note? You know, that kind of like were the were the benchmarks for you, or or places that really stood out that that uh, have guided you since? You know, it's interesting because when I was in Italy, I wasn't in some of the more famed areas. Well, I mean, since then I have traveled and been to Naples and Rome and all these fabulous, like, known pizza cities. But when I was there, I was actually in La Marque region, which is, they're known for so many other things and they have fantastic pizza, but I don't think it's like the cuisine that people go there for. Uh -huh. And I traveled a bunch and I had pizza everywhere, but, Honestly, like I didn't go to like any of the famous pizzerias at that point. Not it was not, more not on that trip. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> not on that trip. Not on that trip. Since then, I have been. You were over there so, as a journalist. Then were you? Was that what you? What brought you to Italy initially? Yeah, so I was there on like a journalism internship, and I started. I always kind of wanted to integrate food. Like I wanted to go for food journalism. I got like a. I worked at the San Francisco Chronicle for a little bit on another internship, and in their food department. Um, and in Italy, I was writing about like the, the whole slow food movement when I was there. Ah. Um, and I think that was really it was like that connection to food there that made me even more interested in cooking and restaurants and the pizza, I think was the epitome of it because it's kind of like you have this super simple food, but you can do so much with it. And it's such like a beautiful, it's like a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Amazing. Isn't it? How this kind of humble peasant food has become maybe the the food of, of this era now for us in a whole new way. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but I was just taken aback by it and I just loved it. And well, I, I want to come back to this uh, journalism background and the writing uh, background later as we kind of uh, <laughs> pursue this because uh, I, I, I can't help but think that there's got to be a book in your future here and it's got to be maybe on your on your to-do list but you know but, but now let's get back to San Francisco so you were with Tony for for how long like you weren't there just there for a year you were you did a full full long yeah, I was there I think like three or four years and then he opened a place in New York and I moved there to help with that wow um, that's nice with one of his partners <laughs> and then when that one didn't quite work out I moved back to Boulder and then I always, that was kind of like always in my, well, in my head, my plan, I guess plans change, but it's kind of like always to have my own place and to be home or, you know, in Boulder. <laughs> nice. Now your family still got their bagel uh, operation in Boulder. Do you guys work together every, at ever, uh, any time on projects or help each other out? Yeah. So my brother is actually my business partner in the, in the pizza, in my pizza place. Um, cool. He does all the business side of it. <laughs> Even in the family, I love it. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's fantastic at that, and we work really well together. Um, and my pizza place is actually right next to, like, our original bagel store, so we're constantly oh, really? back and forth. You know, if I forget something, we run out of something yeah. that 
we, but you we, never like get the call like in the middle of the night, Audrey, we, we need you on the, on the bagel line for like uh, 40 minutes. Just go on over. I mean, thankfully, no, but there's definitely mornings when I walk in and it's slammed and I'm like, I need to help them. Like, it's, <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, it's a good, it's good to have both. And my dad actually tried to do pizza at the bagel places at one point because he's, he's from New York and like loves pizza. It's like his favorite food. I mean, apart from bagels. Yeah, but. yeah right. <laughs> well, if you're from New York, you know, you have to be in love with pizza. Um, Boulder itself is becoming, you know, an amazing restaurant city. I mean, it has been for a while, but you've got some great pizzerias uh, in Dave, Boulder. Yeah. We, yeah, Boulder, we used to have more. There's been a few that closed this year, but the ones that are here are fantastic. Um, well, we, we did a lot of filming over at Basta with Kelly oh, Whitaker, and, he's, and he, we've interviewed with Kelly here on Pizza Talk, so he's, you know, his episode uh, may already be up by the time, you, you know, yours gets up there, but, but uh, so we know, we know Kelly's Pizza, but when I was there filming with him, and again, that was like eight years ago, you didn't have uh, the Pizza Garage. We weren't open yet. <laughs> yeah, he's doing some amazing things. He's part of this whole... Colorado movement called the the grain chain and um, they're really trying to promote like actually like planting wheat in Colorado and in the Boulder area and like using more localized wheat which is really cool and Kelly's an amazing chef in general so are you uh, drawn into that uh, into that whole movement as well do you, do you experiment you know, with range yeah I have been a lot more one of the main guys um, Andy he owns have you heard of the bakery moxie bread Andy Clark yeah Andy Clark, of course. Yeah, you know. yeah, I love the. In fact, in fact, uh, Andy and I had dinner together at at Kelly's place. Oh, did you? Awesome. Yeah, yeah, and he makes fabulous bread. Oh my God, it's incredible. Yeah, so he actually just opened a new. Well, it's a mill in Boulder. Um, it's in so his place is in Louisville right now, and they just opened in North Boulder, and so people can actually go and buy like freshly milled flour and like all these different grains. It's pretty cool. Um, and he's brought me a bunch of different ones to play around with. And I'm just now trying to incorporate a percentage of it into ours. So, like, I bought, like, one of his little mock mills that he does. But I, it's hard because we have, like, a 1,200-square-foot place. It'd be hard to put, like, a full mill in there. Right. We're lucky yeah, to have him where we can just buy it, you know? I'm, like, a volume producer, but it makes – you can make what you need for a small batch right there on the spot. Yeah, exactly. And I use it a lot for breads more than the pizza. And actually, whenever I compete, I use it. You do bread. You, you do your own breads at, uh, at the pizza garage as well, right? We do. So we do like sub rolls. Um, we have like, you know, every restaurant has their least um, <laughs> contingencies. So there's a, a bakery right in our complex. So we're not really technically allowed to sell a, a huge oh. volume of bread. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got to be careful. But you can make it for your own sandwiches. Exactly. Yeah. And I know grinders are a big part of the menu. We, we, we want to talk more about, you know, Audrey's Pizza Garage because you went, then you got after this journey with Tony in New York, and then you're back in Boulder. So when did you open Audrey's Pizza Garage? And why is it called the Pizza Garage? <laughs> so we opened in 2015, and I always loved garages. Like, I always kind of had this idea we would um, kind of gut out an actual gas station or garage and, like, have the pizzeria there. But as it turns out, it's a lot of work and a lot of money to like dig out the gas pumps and <laughs> right. um, it just wasn't very logical. And we actually looked for like two years for this space. Like Boulder is very hard to find a restaurant space. It's very expensive. And um, we finally came upon this place and we came up with a bunch of different ideas for names and 
a lot of them were taken. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's tried to name a restaurant, but a lot of great names are already taken um, for good reason. And I wanted to just- Nobody had them. Pizza Garage, right? <laughs> no, there's actually, there was a garage pizza in LA. That okay. was the only one. But we call it, we were going to call it the Pizza Garage, and then my dad insisted on having my name in it as well. That's <laughs> your dad, right? <laughs> yes, it is. And at first, I really didn't want that because <laughs> I don't like that much attention drawn to me. But I think it's definitely given the place character to like have a name attached. It's a. I love the name. I mean, it's like first of all, it's memorable. You know, and it's and it's and immediately your your mind starts to go. I, I got to check this place out. I mean, what? The heck is a pizza garage, you know, and and who is this Audrey? <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Do people come there and and I, I obviously you're like also the the head pizzaiola, right? You're making the pizzas. Well, you're there all the time, I imagine. I am there a lot. Yeah. You, you get to interact a lot with people that. Yeah, so we're that, very like fast casual. Sought you out. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. It's a, it's small enough where you can always see everyone, and um, we've got so many regulars that we know by name, and then it's it's great. I actually really like it. We kind of changed the concept because. We're close to middle school, and in Colorado, like, the law is 500 feet, and you can't have alcohol. So we are going to do more of a sit-down concept, and then we're like, we'll just change it to a slice house. And it's it's really worked in our favor, I think. Um, uh, so Boulder, like, you went to Basta, there's Locale, and they're all a little, not they're not fine dining, they're still pizzerias, but, you know, they're sit-down with table service. Yeah. So I think it distinguished us a little bit in that aspect, because Boulder didn't have, like, a, well, they have some slice houses, but not quite what we're doing. Well, the fact that you are a slice house plays into a sort of a discussion I want to have with you, maybe in our in our next episode with you, uh, which is the, so many of the uh, uh, restaurants have had to pivot during this COVID era, and as a slice house, in a sense, you were already kind of in that in the mode, I would think. Yes, yeah, we got really lucky in that as well. Um, we didn't really have to like I know a lot of people changed their model completely, and we we didn't really have to at all, and as you know in the name the pizza garage we have these huge garage doors in the front so we just like locked our doors and have switched our registers to be in in the garage doors and everything's going through there so there's like no contact and interesting well i mean it's let's 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 go back more fully in the next episode it's kind of like a a tease so we get everyone to come back on the next episode (laughs) because we we just want to hear more about that but uh, again i'm going to backtrack again back to like so you got launched with the, the the pizzas themselves and so is it more of like a new york style pizza when you when you hear slice house you usually think new york style is that the the predominant style or do you do other styles as well yeah so we do predominantly new york style or we we call it that because you have to give it a name but we get a lot of new yorkers in there that are you know very skeptical on what technically <laughs> new york well, they're not going to believe it and especially if it's not in new york that it's exactly. going to be as good as new york yeah and they're like well are you from new york i was like no i'm from boulder yeah, right. <laughs> they don't love that, I don't think. But um. during your training at, at Tony's, and uh, not only I guess at the school, but you know, working there right at Tony's, where he makes every style of pizza, you're probably conversant in all those different styles as well. Uh, yeah. Why did you settle on that particular style? Is it just your own sort of? Um, it's interesting because actually, when I was at Tony's, I did mainly Neapolitan. Like that was my focus there, and I was always on the Neapolitan line. So I had a little experience in New York, but I never really worked the New York line um and I think it was just I think we were just trying to kind of distinguish ourselves and like fit the model that our restaurant was and my brother kind of pushed it too like initially I wanted to do mostly Sicilian pizza to be honest so we serve Sicilian in New York but 
Sicilian's a very small portion compared to the New York. So you do Sicilian as well. Yeah. Uh, that that's a, a different kind of uh, audience in a sense for Sicilian style. It definitely is. Yeah, we have a very specific group of people who get it, like people who seek it out and love it. And then some people think it's like too bready, but I think if you eat it and you know it, you know it's like actually it looks thick, but it's very light and airy. Well, when I think of Boulder and and that whole Boulder area, Denver, and you know everywhere in that region, I constantly think of farm to table and that the relationships that restaurant owners have with local producers. Do you do you develop those kinds of uh, rapports as well? Yeah, we we do. We um we try and do seasonal, but we also have a lot of just like standard menu items since we are more of a slice house. So you create your, what, what are your, perhaps your signature pies? Um, so we do one called the spicy pig, <laughs> sausage, pepperoni, and jalapeno. That's probably our most famous one. Um, we actually have a lot of veggie pies. People definitely seek those out. One's called the green mountain and it's like a pile of spinach and then ricotta and garlic and uh, Castle Valtrano olives and basil. Um, good. Right now, I could use a slice of that. <laughs> yeah. Lately, we've gotten a lot more requests for like vegan pie, which we just now started carrying vegan cheese. Um, I've never <laughs> loved vegan cheese. I think I've never had a really good one, but I think people, there's been a lot of progress in that department as well. Like, yeah. Ones, it, you know, it, yeah. What was that? <laughs> Sorry. I was getting better at producing, um, you know, vegan, uh, high quality vegan products because, especially cheese, which is tricky. Yeah. Uh, but you know where there's a demand there is innovation yeah i agree yeah the one we're using is like coconut based which it's, it's actually tastes really good I, I mean i love vegan food i just feel like if you're not gonna if it's not good cheese like just don't have any cheese but like you do a tomato pie right totally yeah and we did one with like a bunch of veggies and like pumpkin seeds and then we do like a vegan pesto i think there's like so many ways to do it it's just you know, as long as it tastes good. <laughs> well, that's it. it comes down to flavor in the end. Totally. So clearly your, your, uh, your clientele, you know, loves what you're doing there. About how many pizzas a day are you producing? It all depends. Um, <clears throat> like this past Friday night, I think we did like 400 pizzas, um, which is a lot for us. <laughs> that's not a small amount. So what kind of ovens are you doing them in? Um, we have an we've always had an electric oven. Uh, December, we just got a new Pizza Master, which has been life-saving. <laughs> a lot of people seem to be really raving about the Pizza Masters. It seems to be yeah. the, the, the oven of the day. It, for a good reason, though. Like, I had my doubts, but it's, it's shocking how well it, it maintains its heat and comes back. And just, it, yeah, I'm astounded. It's it's like, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, it's an electric oven, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've always had an electric oven. I've always been, Tony had them at his plate. He has every oven, but I was always kind of drawn to that electric oven because it's almost like a hybrid between the wood-fired and a New York style, I think, you know? I it yeah. cooks, so, you know, it cooks in like six minutes and we don't, we only have it at like 625, whereas the oven goes up to like 930 degrees or something. So you can do um, a lot of different types of pizzas in that oven. And exactly. I, each, uh, I've always wondered about this because I haven't baked in one. Does each deck in that oven have, does it have its own controls? Can you have different temperatures on different decks? Exactly. So yeah, our bottom, we kind of keep our slices and Sicilians and we have it at 550. And then the top two are at like 625 for the New Yorks. And so uh, you're not actually doing pure Neapolitan because you don't have the, no. or you don't have a wood-fired oven. 
But are you doing any pizzas? Yeah, we call it New York, but it's, I think it's a little more of a hybrid than traditional New York. So, yeah, so uh, it's really your pizza is what it is, really. I, exactly. But, you know, I find that people need some, some kind of label to define it. You know, like they want to know what kind of what kind of pizza they're getting. What's it like? They always wanted to know what's it like. In fact, uh, when, you're, when you're pitching like a book concept to a, to a publisher, they always want you to, in the, in the proposal, what, what books is it similar to, but how is yours different? They always want to know how it's different as well as why it's similar. That's such a good, yes. Well stated. <laughs> uh, well, remember that when you make your book proposal. <laughs> I, I will. <laughs> I'll just well, be calling you for advice. <laughs> well, definitely. I'd and I, I, I just think it's exciting what you've done, what you've created. Uh, uh, and, you know, before we run out of time on this segment, uh, didn't you also compete? Were you on the World Pizza Champions team? I am, yeah. I've been on it um, since I was at Tony's, which is a huge honor <laughs> because there's so many amazing pizza makers on that team. So what categories do you compete in? I usually compete in traditional. I feel like until I really place well in traditional, I like can't, I don't know, I've got weird things. Like I know a lot of people like compete in different ones all the time, but I, I like <laughs> very, I feel like the simple pizza is what really shows your pizza, to me at least. But Well, I, like that's why the, the margarita is such a, you know, is, exactly. is the benchmark of all pizzas. It's the vanilla ice cream of pizza. <laughs> I agree. And actually, I mean, that being said, I've competed in Pan and Neapolitan in, in Italy, just not at Pizza Expo, because. So for those who are watching this and are not familiar with the competitions or haven't been to Expo and seen you or other people in those, uh, what is the difference between uh, the Neapolitan category and the traditional category? Because a lot of people think that those are the same thing. So Neapolitan has very strict rules. It has to be like STG approved down to like the tomatoes, the, I mean, the type of flour, I think even the ingredients on top, like, it can either be like a marinara, a margarita, or a, maybe just those two. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, oh. And it has to cook in 90 seconds. They like time you. You have to be, I think, STG certified. Where the traditional STG, can you explain what that is for, the, for those who don't yeah, know? Yeah, so it's, our, it's, a, um, it's like an association in Italy that um, if you, you probably could explain this better than me. <laughs> well, I always heard it as VPN, but that sounds like yeah. it's different. Is that STG VPN? Don't quote me on this. It's been well, a while. Probably, um, just different, different uh, organizations. VPN. Um, so VPN is Vera Pizza Association. Is that? Uh, yeah, Vera Pizza Napolitana. Pizza Napolitana. Yeah. But but uh, but I I there are so many associations over there, and everyone thinks that theirs is the only one and the best one. So I don't know which one you know which one rules no. over. No. Now that you're saying this, I think you're right. I think it is VPN. Because I've never competed in these competitions. I just like to eat and judge, you know, them. But I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't have, I, I'm not young enough anymore to like, you know, go after those. Uh, and when you think about the, the, the World Pizza Championship, I always thought of the, that team initially as the Doe Acrobats. That's what, you know, sort of, that's what Tony was first known for. And a lot of his protégés were first competing in, in, in the showmanship area. And then now all of a sudden it's really shifted over to the craftsmanship of the pizza itself. Yeah. And I mean, I think people are still the acrobats. I think that was kind of, I, I never was coordinated enough to be an acrobat. <laughs> it takes a lot of practice. <laughs> oh, yes. They're very talented, the pizza acrobats. I, I love and, them. And also you have to kind of like be willing to uh, put it all out there and be, you know, totally uninhibited. Totally. No, I mean, it's amazing. It's like yeah. amazing what they can do. But 
yeah, I think people have focused a lot on the baking just because it, it shows a different set of skills and it's, you know, it's really representing your pizzeria when you go. But. So has that, has competing gotten you over to Italy and uh, you compete over there in those championships? Yeah, yeah. We were supposed to go this year, but sadly. Where are they usually held or does it move around? Um, so it's interesting. The first year I went with Tony, it was in Salsa Maggiore, and now it's in Parma. Um, and the Caputos just started a Caputo Cup in Naples as well. Well, actually, I think it's been going on, but they just added an American category. So that's really cool as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, the Caputos have been so proactive, uh, you know, not just with their flour, but in helping to spread the gospel of pizza and the gospel of, you know, of pasta as well. Um, yeah, they're amazing. So kind of a cool horse to ride on because they, they get you to a lot of places. You can you can travel the world with the Caputo family. <laughs> that is true. I mean they're they're such a great such a great company and family, both. Well, this has been really fun talking about all this and uh, and I think you know what I'd like to do is uh, since we're running out of time for this segment, uh, come back and continue with you in the next segment uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about you know where you're at today and the future and and again, explore it a little more deeply how you're dealing with and, and, and in association with all of your neighboring, you know, friends and, and uh, you know, com compadres in this in the restaurant industry dealing with the challenges of the COVID era. Stick around for more Pizza Quest after a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Welcome back to Pizza Talk. I'm Peter Reinhardt, and I'm with Audrey Sherman of Audrey's Pizza Garage in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, in our last episode, Audrey told us a little bit about her story, her journey, uh, the time she spent with Tony um, in, uh, in San Francisco. And, um, and it was almost like for you, an apprenticeship in a sense in the pizza world. Um, I and, uh, still feel like he's my mentor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, and you're even on the team that he coaches, right? The pizza, the world, let's go the pizza champions. Yeah, the world, the, the yeah. world yeah uh, so you know uh, that's a great group to be and in fact um you know we also had uh, a, a great talk with laura meyer uh recently and i know you must have worked really closely with her in in san francisco at some point during your time at tony's right 
You know, we actually just missed each other. I was there before her, and then um, uh, she came after. And it, it's just the last year or two I've gotten really close to her, and I'm actually sad I did miss her because every time I'm around her, I learned so much. And she's just such an incredible person in general, like all around. Yeah, <laughs> well, you both are. You both, you know, are so dedicated and focused. It's, there's a laser focus, that, and and I think it's also notable that you're you're two very successful women in the pizza business. And I'm wondering what that's like in, in traditionally a male dominated sector. Uh, are you starting to see more, you know, more of an opening up to women and uh, you know, how, how challenging, it, how challenging it was it for you to kind of try to rise up in that kind of a culture? Yeah. It's interesting because before I was in pizza, I worked in a lot of other kitchens um, and I think it was almost more challenging in the other kitchens than I've had in pizza. And I don't know if that's because I've been surrounded by such amazing men, really, like Tony in specific, who, you know, he didn't really look at you as a female. He just looked at you as a really great pizza maker. Um, and I think that, you know, there's this huge women in pizza movement happening right now, which is phenomenal. And I think it's, it's really important because it needs, it's going to get us to the place where like people aren't just highlighting women. They're just like highlighting pizza makers. Cause right now, like women need to be highlighted because they've been kind of shoved to the side, I think. Um, but I really do think I've been lucky because I have been surrounded by people who always have like embraced my, my love of pizza and talent and um, have always supported that. Uh, and maybe it's harder for some other people who don't have, those kind of like mentors or people in their lives. Well, I know that when we go to, you know, when we all get together at a place like Expo, um, there doesn't seem to be any distinctions anymore, you know, in terms of uh, gender distinctions. Everyone's sort of, it's a big welcoming, open 10 flap community. Uh, and, and, and then we even see some serious pizza enthusiasts. Uh, well, like Norma Knepp, who is not, she's a professional. She has her own little, little pizza operation of her own in uh, in uh, Pennsylvania Dutch country and, and, and she won the Caputo cup the first, yeah. the first year she ever heard. Like, <laughs> but uh, you know, but again, under the radar as far as the rest of the world knows. And, and now we're beginning to see, uh, you know, the, I'd say maybe, maybe this next period of time could be the sort of the rise of the, of the woman, the women pizzaolas uh, kind of taking center stage. What do you think? Yeah, I think you're right. And it's, it's interesting because at my place, at least, I have, it kind of ebbs and flows on, like, if I have more more men working there, or women, and I've actually noticed, like, a lot of the women are better pizza makers. Like, they have, like, a little bit softer touch, and the pizza just looks, like, gorgeous. Not everyone, you know. Yeah, it's a yeah. very, it differs by each person, but um, I think you're right. I think, like, women, the more they see other females in the industries, the more they gravitate to it, and in the 10 years I've been in the industry, I do think it's changed a lot. Like the first few years I was with, with Tony, we went to Naples to, he did like a demo for one of the Caputo cups there and I was helping him. And I was like working in the oven and one of the Neapolitan guys just like shoved me aside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Old school. Yeah. <laughs> and they didn't think I should be there. And it was actually like Roberto Caprusco, excuse me. I'm probably butchering his last name. Um, Roberto from in New York, a uh, couple Russo. Yes. And he, yeah. He's the one who kind of like him and Tony, like helped me out there. And this past year going to Naples, like you could definitely see a shift. Like there are a lot more female pizza makers, a lot like mixed in with everyone, not just from the United States, but 
Naples and Japan and, you know, everywhere. I think it's definitely evening out. I think we still have a long way to go, but I think just seeing, you know, like Laura, she's a huge presence in the industry. She's always doing demos and teaching and ma just making pizza in general. And I think it's like encouraging other people to, you know, want to own their own businesses and just work in the industry and learn the craft. Well, I think when you have a mentor like Tony Gemignani, who has such tremendous drive and, and uh, he's sort of resilient and, 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 ha and never seems to run out of energy. And it takes that kind of, you know, dedication, I think, and perseverance to, to, to break through. And that's, I, I, that's what, that I think is what's happening now. Maybe in the past, uh, it was just so hard that it was too easy to get knocked down and then you kind of give up. But now I think you see that if you're going to succeed, uh, you've got to you've got to be resilient, and you got to be able to you know get pushed pushed around by some of those uh, Naples pizza guys and say I'm coming back anyway. You're not going to get rid of me that easy. That's so true. And whenever I'm exhausted, I'm like I have one place, and Tony has like all these other places. How does he do this every day? No, I, and the, I think everybody asks that question, and and not everybody can do that. It's uh, you know it's a special gift, and it, and it, some people are just born with that uh, with that relentless energy. Uh, but even have one place, and I had I had one restaurant. I never could handle having more than one. Um, it it uh, it took everything I had, uh, and I always marveled at the fact that somebody could you know have enough people, maybe a support team around them, to be able to operate in two or three different venues or five or six venues at you know at the same time. Um, one is one takes takes it all. It definitely does, and yeah, and I, I, I feel like like in this day and age too, with the social media, it's at least to me, it's like really inspiring and to see what everyone else is doing and to stay connected because like you said at Pizza Expo, you see everyone and it's like, it's so great to be around people who are going through exactly what you're going through and have like the extreme like passion for what they're doing the same yeah. as you. Um, and at a time like this, like you can still get on Instagram, you can still call these people and I think it keeps you going in a sense, you know, and, and, it, and it inspires you every day to like, do different things and like keep pushing through. Well, I think, uh, you know, it goes back to this, this, uh, um, re resilience and relentlessness that it takes to survive in this industry. The hospitality and restaurant industry is brutal on everybody. And I think you not only have to have the talent, but you do have to have a, a level of passion that allows you to endure. Now your passion was born. It sounds like, you know, from childhood, you were, you you were it's a, I think think I read that your mom uh, made some kind of a a pizza with sesame crust or something like that. Yeah. Is that is that do you do anything like that at at the garage? Yeah, so that's our version of a a grandma pizza. Um, but I call it my mom's name is Patty, so I call it Patty style. Ah, there you go. And it's basically a pan pizza with sesame on the bottom, and it's not a Sicilian. It's closer to a grandma. It's just. Well, you know, it's, it's a little different. It's, I kind of, I've never made Detroit-style pizza, but I imagine it as a hybrid between a grandma and a Detroit because we, we rim the edge with cheese and it's like got that cheese crust. And yeah, yeah. So it is kind of a, it's a, it's a tribute pizza, first of all, to your mom, it sounds like, who adds another level of connection or connectivity to, you know, to, to what you're doing and why you're doing it. And I think that's what I'm really trying to get at here is, is, is why do you work this hard you know, what is it inside of you that is that that brings you back each and every day to fight the fight? Uh, and it sounds like one piece of the puzzle is sort of the, 
these connections, a family connection. Your, your, your pizza restaurant is right next door to the family bagel restaurant, right? Uh, the yeah. Cafe. Yeah. yeah, but I think you are right. Like, you definitely have to have that fight in you, and you really have to want it. Um, at the beginning of this whole, like, COVID situation, one of the we're, – we were, we're really close in our, like, business complex with all the other business owners, and there's a woman who owns a salon next door, and she was like – she had to shut down completely because that was the, the government, you know, regulations. And she's like, yeah, I just went home and I asked myself, like, do I want to – you know, just, I could just close, like, we could just shut down now, and that, like, my family would be okay, because, you know, my husband works, and she's like, but do I want to fight for it, and it really resonated, because I was like, yeah, like, that's how I feel every day, you know, especially during this time, like, is this something worth fighting for, do I want to go in and, like, you know, fight for my business, because Mm -hmm. especially in these times, you have to actually want to do it. And how have you done it, Uh, because it has been brutal for everybody out there, um, how have you managed to make that pivot? Um, I think one of the biggest things was like right off the bat, we, you know, required everyone to wear face masks and gloves and like had sanitizer, like wiping down everything. And I think the first step was like really making our customers feel safe. You know, like I think the, one of the biggest things of restaurants is it's a safe space and it's an enjoyable space. And that's why people want to come and eat your food and, um, I think that was huge for us because we've had a lot of repeat customers, you know, they started in the beginning and then they felt like it was safe for them to keep coming back. Um, and I think the fact that we already were mainly takeout, that was also <laughs> huge for us because it wasn't a huge shift of our model. You know, yeah. we already were you like have some sit down in addition to the takeout. You had a table. Right? Yeah. We were pretty like the max before the, before all this, what was your max capacity? And when, when it reopens, what do you think it'll be? Um, I think we could fit like 30 people. We'd like 30. That's tight, but <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah, it's comical because we just put in like a community table <laughs> in the center. Not using that anymore. Um, that's, that's a big issue, yeah. Yeah, and actually today is the first day Colorado just said restaurants could reopen, I think 50% capacity. But our whole dining room is like storage space right now. We ended up having to bring in like a pallet of flour and a pallet of tomatoes because we were having some issues in the beginning, like sourcing it. Not even sourcing it, just like our purveyor wasn't stocking yeah. it. So you needed to have back stock, uh, yeah. which means that a lot of restaurant space is now is now uh, warehouse space for you in a sense. It all is. <laughs> so do, you think, do you see going back to the restaurant model then, or would you think you'll just keep focusing on the on the curbside and the takeout? Yeah. So. I think at least through the summer, we're going to stay just takeout. We're lucky enough that we have a, a pretty big patio in the front of our restaurant so people can grab a slice and go sit down um, and they're all spaced out. Mm-hmm. So we're going to see how it plays out and we're going to wait at least until we get through the summer to reopen the dining room, especially because if it's like 25, 50% capacity, it's really not worth it to us to, you know, have to like sanitize every single inch of the restaurant every time somebody leaves. Right. Uh, and you can only have like three people in the restaurant. <laughs> I'm telling you, I've talked to a number of pizza operators who were saying, I'm not sure that I'm ever going to go back to the, the, the dining program that we had before that I, I'm, we're doing well with this, with this approach, with the, you know, with focusing on takeout and uh, yeah. in some ways um, they're making more money now than they were before. That's rare in this time when so many restaurants are going under, but the pizza restaurants seem to be the ones who have been able to pivot are are surviving and maybe thriving 
yeah we've been we've been definitely busier it's been <laughs> it's been you know it's i'm so thankful i'm also exhausted but <laughs> very you thankful been, like, long days yeah uh, <laughs> no it's been great and and we didn't have the the break you know usually in, in, in march everybody in the business gets at least a five-day break by going to vegas and gathering with the tribe and having a pizza expo together and we don't it's we don't get that this year no, that's so true. <laughs> I know I miss everyone. <laughs> I know. I, I, I think it, when, when it finally does reconvene, whenever that happens to be, there's going to be so much relief. I think there's going to be, uh, if they allow it, there's going to be a lot of hugging. I think you're right. <laughs> uh, well, I've talked to, you know, like I said, a number of operators who are not going back to the old model. They're going to just stay, you know, doing what they're doing. And, uh, um, and, and I think the whole industry, probably, hospitality industry is going to be, reevaluating you know how we do hospitality in the in the future going forward i think you're right yeah it's it's sad i mean for me at least it's sad to see all these restaurants closed and i hope they reopen boulder is such like a dining not mecca but there's it's become known really well known for its dining and in particular it's sit down dining so it'll be It'll be interesting. A few of the, you know, fine dining places have pivoted and have done really well with it, I think. I hope. <laughs> well, you know, when, when I think of Boulder, uh, one of the things I love about Boulder is it, it's such a, a green city. And Boulder was, it always gets voted either number one or number two greenest city in America, meaning that they're very conscious uh, politically and uh, environmentally in doing the right things, doing things the right way. I won't say politically correct. I'll just say doing things the right way. Uh, uh, almost to the point where it can make other people crazy, you know, because you know, it's like going to the extreme. And so I would imagine, you know, uh, trying to go back to a model that um, has so much uh, baggage attached to it now. The model, I mean, there was an article that came out of the New York Times saying, does the whole restaurant industry, you know, is this, is this the end of the restaurant industry as we've known it? And uh, I don't know what the answer is to that, except that I know that it seems like the pizza sector of that industry is uh is maybe leading the way through this uh, this darkness i think you're right it is, it's interesting at the beginning of the pandemic when we started to get really busy um my husband was like he's like after this is all over there's gonna be so many people that want to just buy up all these pizzerias because they're the only ones like really doing well um or you know and yeah. i was also thinking about it because we've been getting some takeout and like pizza is such a contained thing. Like all these other places, they need so many different containers to, to do takeout. Whereas pizza, you know, it's a box. If you get a salad, it's like one more container. Whereas other types of cuisine, you have like 20 different containers that maybe they'll come up with some new to-go stuff for that as well. <laughs> but. Well, before we run out of time, uh, I, in our last episode, uh, we, we mentioned that you had started out as a journalist major and was, were doing a journalism internship in Italy when you kind of like started to have this uh, uh, desire or awakening to go back into uh, the restaurant business, which your family's already was in the bagel business. Um, so um, you must still have that sort of writer's itch to want to articulate and, and journal the experiences that you're having. Are you, are you doing anything with that? Um, yeah, so actually the last few months I've been lucky enough, I've been writing a little bit for Pizza Today. Um, yeah, they've given me some 
some space to do like in the kitchen articles, which I oh, love. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's yeah. a great way in, you know, or it's a great way to kind of reawaken that, uh, that, that gift. Because yeah. And it's interesting because, like, I haven't written in so many years, but it took, like, a few months of the articles, and I, I just, like, I really enjoy it. Like, it is like, like on a bike. You can, you can, once you've done it, you can get back on that bike. You just, you know, you just need to know what it is that you want to say. I, I know that exactly. uh, I, was, I was actually a film major uh, when I went to college, and, uh, and I had some opportunities to work in the film industry, but I, um, I also had an opportunity right at the uh, end of that college period to work in a, uh, in a, in a, organic vegetarian restaurant this is back in 1970 so before that was you know was big and and all of a sudden I felt like I could go into film but I don't know what it is that I have to say but I could do this restaurant thing which is like exciting this passion in me and we'll see where it leads so I kind of abandoned one to follow the other muse and um and then about 20 years later when I did my first book I said you know what I think I finally have something to write about I was I wanted to be a film writer uh, and bread became my sort of metaphor. And, uh, and so, and I think as a writer, which, you know, you're not just a restaurant operator and a pizza maker, but you're, you're also a writer. Um, you're always going to have want to write. And yeah. it's just a matter of finding something that excites you as much as pizza does to be able to write about. I may be writing about pizza is the way in, but uh, <laughs> I, I get the sense that there's also something, you know, like if you were going to write uh, not, not for pizza today, but just write, uh, an article about, you know, or a, or a book about, uh, you know, sort of what your current vision and passions are. What do you think those things would be? Do you have sort of a, a sense of what you would want to say to the world about that you've learned by being in the in the pizza game, but also have writing skills? Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, I always want to write about pizza because it's my number one focus and um, love. But I've always really been into like kind of the investigative food journalism aspect. Like right now I keep trying to figure out a way, you know, there's all, as probably everyone's aware, like all of this food that's being wasted because everyone's just dumping it. And I keep trying to figure out a way, like how can we help? And like, how do we shift this? And there are certain organizations, but maybe it's like writing about it. And like, that's a way of figuring it out. But I don't know that I'd write a whole book about it, but maybe no. when I have figuring out more time to like try and write for other publications as well. Okay. Maybe just some pieces, like you say. And what was the name of the grain uh, organization that you mentioned, Kelly Whitaker's? Uh, uh, the Colorado Grain Chain. A grain chain, which is a great yeah. name in its own right. It's, uh, yeah, and, and actually, we're doing some like online uh, classes and seminars on different people right now. And honestly, I've been working every time they're airing, but <laughs> they sound really interesting. Well, that's that's so a trade-off when you have your own business, you know. Yes. But, but uh, yeah, you're in the right place, you know, uh, a community like Boulder, where, where something like the Grain Chain, you know, which is a coalition of, of people that are, that are trying to change the way we eat and, and approach the environment and food, uh, you know, you're in the right place to be writing about that and certainly be a part of that, that uh, other community. You know, it's like, yeah. like there's the big pizza community, which is what you call the, the tribe, but then there are smaller communities within that community that are very focused and specific. That's so true. And I think I've been like such a part of the pizza community that it's only in like the last year or two that I've been like trying to get more involved with, you know, the people just right by me, which is sounds so silly, but sometimes it's easier to, you know, be around or like connect with people that are in your exact industry than people that are so close to you. Well, it's going to happen, you know, for you. Well, 
in an organic way because you're, you know, you're, you, that's how you've lived your life and it's going to just bubble up when the time is right. So keep those writing skills, keep, keep your diaries going in your journals and blogging and everything else. Uh, keep that muscle exercise because then when you're ready uh, and, and you, you want to make a statement, you know, you'll have this, the ability and the skills that not everybody has. Not everybody, and I know, and I can say this to you because I know that you've studied this and you know prepared for this in your earlier life. Uh, not everybody has that skill set, and so to bring together a culinary skill set and a and an ability to articulate and write well is is a rare gift, and the world really wants more and more content like that. So we're, I'm looking forward to see Thank what you. the next. The next wave for you. I mean, this well, has you're been an inspiration to me. So. Well, thank you, but you, you as well to me. Um, you know, you've been on like this ten-year journey since we first connected way back in San Francisco uh, till now, and that's and you're still young. You know, to me, you're like, oh my God, you could be my like granddaughter. You know, oh, you know? I'm, I'm feeling older these days. <laughs> well, we all get there, but you know, but uh, I love the energy and I love what you're doing, and I just have a feeling that there's. Uh, you know, another act to follow this act um, uh, that you'll, that will be sort of the, the next phase and the next stage of your journey. We'll be right back with more Pizza Quest right after this break. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. There's a reason when you think of Wisconsin, you think cheese. Cheese is a huge part of Wisconsin's history and future. In Wisconsin, the state of cheese, the tradition of cheesemaking excellence began 180 years ago, before Wisconsin was recognized as a state. Immigrants traveled to settle in this lush green hills of Wisconsin, bringing their cheesemaking traditions with them. These storied skills combined with the freshest milk available created a cheesemaking culture that is uniquely Wisconsin. Wisconsin's 1,200 cheesemakers, many of whom are third and fourth generation, continue to pass on old world traditions while adopting modern innovations in cheesemaking craftsmanship. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. I'm Peter Reinhardt. Welcome back to Pizza Talk. I'm with Audrey Sherman from Audrey Jane's Pizza Garage in Boulder, Colorado. Is that right? And yes. Thanks for having me again. Full name, and we, you know, we we had a couple of uh, sessions with you where we talked about the whole evolution of the pizzeria and and you know how you kind of have come to this present moment, how you're pivoting to deal with the COVID thing. But one thing that really uh, kind of stood out was this, was a couple of your signature pizzas. You you mentioned one called the patty, right? Is that, is that what you call it, the patty? And, and Yeah, you, it's a, our patty style pizza. Uh, Audrey, could you tell us a little bit about the sort of the the, uh, the name and the idea of what you're trying to do with the patty? Of course. So the patty style is a version, my, I guess my version of a grandma pizza. Um, it's named after my mom, Patty, because it's what she made us as kids. And when I was little, I didn't really associate it with being a grandma pizza. I grew up Colorado, so it wasn't like we had grandma style pizza at every pizzeria here. Um, right. And as I, after I opened my pizza place, we didn't do it initially, and then I kept coming back to it. And she made it. It's basically a pan pizza with sesame seeds on the bottom. And so I was playing around with it, and we kind of settled on the version that we do now. 
Um, and it's actually kind of an evolving thing. It's become more and more popular. And it's a pizza that's a little hard to keep up with when we're busy because we don't carve it here right now. And I've actually, I've talked to like Tony about it and he, he's a huge fan of car making, which I am coming around to more and more because it makes a lot more sense in the well, end. Especially if you're I busy. Mean, <laughs> just from like a, yeah, from a, from a business perspective, I think, because it doesn't take as long in the oven. Um, it, it holds up a little bit better. So we actually just are on a new diner's drive Diners, Drive-Ins and Dives episode, and it's featuring the patty style, so I'm trying to figure out a way to kind of streamline it and make it so that we can make more a day and not run out and not have it, like, pulled up the well, oven. I remember when I was first kind of looking into the difference between, say, a, a grandma pizza and a Sicilian pizza. I mean, they look so similar. Uh, and one definition, one one differentiation was that some people said, well, the, the Sicilian really lends itself to the par-bake, and most places do a par-bake, and the grandma's usually a single-bake all the way through, and so that's it was a good way to kind of differentiate them. Uh, there were some other differences. The grandma usually had the cheese down first, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I think that on Umberto's and King Umberto's, when they started years and years ago, yeah. these ideas, it was a single-bake, and when you ordered it, you knew that you were going to have to wait 25 minutes for your pizza, and you sat at the table and you ate your salad and other things while you waited. Uh, but nowadays, people don't want to wait. Number one, and two, there's not enough room in the kitchen to keep up with the pizzas if you, you know, if you have to do a full bake like that. So, have you noticed a difference when you do a par bake versus a single bake in terms of the the final product? Yeah, I mean, and you're exactly right. I think that is like the definition, and I think that's what I also love about the patty is that the biggest difference to me is that the Sicilian is, you know, it's. it's very big and puffy, but it's like so light and airy because it rises for so long and then it has that par bake. Um, so it's completely cooked all the way through. The patty is a little bit denser and it's almost like a fried dough um, because it is a little bit thinner and there's that oil in the crust. Um, and because it does do that single bake, it's not quite as light and airy, which I love. Like that's one of my favorite styles of pizza. But I've done it, you know, both ways with the parbeg, and the parbeg actually tastes really good too. Um, we, it doesn't dry we out. Those, the, yeah, the, it doesn't dry out or get more tough because of the second bake. It is a little bit, but it's we like our Sicilians. We rise them overnight and then do the parbeg, and I think that and we saran wrap them, and it kind of like traps in that moisture. Um, have you talked to Chris Decker at all uh, from Metro? Yeah, he, yeah. Well, we've had Chris so on. He's okay. got he's becoming. He's becoming pretty. He's becoming almost like the Sicilian master now. You know, it's becoming one of his real focal points. But, uh, yeah, he's saying? amazing. Yeah. So when we were kind of reinventing our Sicilian, I was talking to him, and he gave me a few tips on it. And he actually like wraps them and freezes them, and he thinks maybe not all of them, but he thinks that when it does like that moisture content, it actually like makes it uh, not dry out that way. So. Oh. Yeah, I've been playing around with that a little bit. Maybe the grandmas will just have like a stack of them, so we'll never run out. I don't know. Any um, suggestions? <laughs> well, this is what I love about the whole pizza world is is that is that we're always learning something new. You know, just when you think you got it all figured out, then someone says, "No, no, you can also do this," and you know, and you go, "I hadn't thought of that." But uh, we're always we're still learning how to make it better and better and better after all these years. So yeah. no, so I don't have yeah. a suggestion. I'm really I'm trying to learn from all of you guys uh, from what you've learned by because you're you're on the front lines. You're doing trial and error, and you're you know getting customer feedback. Um, and usually the customers will tell us 
whether it works or not. Uh, and I don't have that luxury because I'm not running a pizzeria. But well, yeah, why, why you have so much insight and knowledge. I'm I'm still learning from you and all of your books. <laughs> well, we're you know we're all learning from each other, which is kind of a cool thing, and that's why Pizza Talk exists. But why don't you Absolutely. take us through through the patty because the patty is like it's become one of the signature pizzas of of uh, Audrey James, right? Of the Pizza Garage. This is this is one of the, it stays on the menu. It doesn't rotate in and out. It's a perennial, correct? It is. Yeah, it's kind of. It's not a set, like there's not set toppings on it. People can put whatever they want on it. Um, so it's just like one of our styles of dough. So we do just like our traditional thin crust New York, we do our Sicilian, and then we do the patty style. Well, if you don't mind showing us how you do it, we'd love to see one and we'll try to uh, enjoy it vicariously through the screen. <laughs> of course, I would love to show you. <laughs> All right. Let's get started. Okay, let's do it. All right, so I've also, I've been playing around with new pans. So this is the Lloyd pan. Um, we were using Allied for our Sicilians, but I was having a little bit trouble finding them, to be honest. And I really like how the Lloyds cook. It's like just this last year I've been um, experimenting with them, and I've noticed that the dough really like like fluffs up in them and cooks really nicely. So today we're using Lloyd pan. <laughs> Lloyd, Lloyd pan has really made a big, uh, you know, sort of a uh, an entree into the into the, both the professional and the home pizza community. The nice thing about the Lloyd pans is that is that home bakers can get them off of Amazon and places like that and buy direct. So it's uh, totally. accessible. Yeah, yeah, and it's a really good pan too. So um, yeah, so the first thing we're gonna do is oil, we use extra virgin olive oil on our pan. Um, we've already made the dough. I think it'd be a little longer than the show how to show you how to how we do the dough, but okay. we've got a bit of all over here. Um, so rub the oil in. Make sure it's getting all sides of your pan, and we don't do a ton of sesame seeds because you don't want you don't want them not to to stick to the pie. You don't want to have a ton of extra, so it's just like a light coating. These are these are sesame that. seeds you're putting on now. Those are sesame seeds. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that is and one that's of the kind of what makes our patty style a little different from like a traditional grandma. Exactly. That's your that's your unique tweak. Yeah, um, and then this is our dough, so we do 100 sourdough. And we actually just started adding a little bit of freshly milled flour to it, oh. um, which we're buying from Andy from Moxie Bread. Huh. Um, he just opened a mill in Boulder. Actually, it's funny, just this week or this last month, like three mills opened in Boulder. <laughs> really? And there's never been any mills in Boulder. Now it's just like this amazing plethora of fresh flour. <laughs> milling is becoming the hot new thing, that's for sure. And, and, totally. and some pizzerias are even milling their own. Yeah, you know, we have a little mock mill, and of course I would love to do it, but I don't think I could keep up with our dough production. That's true. So this is that. You don't want to get any flour on it. Lay it in the pan, and a little bit of olive oil on top. And I've tried this a few different ways, too. I have stretched it on the marble because I was afraid that the sesame seeds would kind of, like, push to the side, but it's actually, you know... This kind of pushes the air bubbles out and makes it uh -huh. a little more even. And so it's pretty. It looks it pretty uh, extensible. It's flat. It's it's even though it's uh, you know went in and covering only about sixty percent of the pan. You're now already at like 98 percent of the coverage. Without yeah, it's so not breaking down. Yeah, our dough is pretty hydrated. We're at like now with the milled flour, we're up to about sixty eight percent hydration. Well, that's actually without our starter. So I think we're at about seventy three percent hydration with starter. 
That sounds that sounds nice and uh, it it should puff up nicely at that kind of hydration levels. Yeah, yeah. It's, I know it's a little bit wetter than I think a traditional New York dough. So yeah, I mean I'm I, not. Well, I if think I'm totally honest. I never made New York style pizza before I had my own pizzeria. I was more on the Neapolitan side of things. <laughs> yeah. well, we call traditional New York style. Of course, that's changed now because the. What was traditional twenty years ago, you know, is also changing. But I think those doughs were were in those days much less hydrated than today. And the, in this sort of new generation of pizza guys, uh, they're borrowing from the artisan bread community and using yeah, exactly. water into the dough. Yeah, that's so true. And I, you know, when I started playing around with the milled flour, my brother was like, "I like it, but it almost has like a bready." flavor texture to it, which is something I really actually yeah, enjoy. I like it. Um, but he likes that more traditional, uh, like lighter crisper dough. Uh huh. Okay, so this is looking pretty good. You don't want to overwork it. That whole idea of pan pizza in my mind is to kind of keep it really light and airy and get those uh -huh. nice bubbles in there. So I think a lot of people, at least in Boulder, kind of misassociate it with being a really heavy pizza, but they don't realize like how long it rises and how it's actually probably more digestible because of the long So, so are you saying this dough is going to rise in the pan before you top it? Yeah, so before we bake it off, I usually let it rise for an hour or two, depending on how warm it is in here. Um, or if we par bake it, I still let it rise. Uh -huh. And I actually, I kind of, I have one rising already, so you guys don't have to wait an hour. Thank God, <laughs> yeah, because I, um, I can't so wait that this long. Will, this will normally go up on the oven, and this one, well, I didn't get here quite as early as I wanted, but this one, you can see it's yeah. almost doubled but this has been up there for about 40 minutes so nice so you got your your uh, your homemade so this was a parbake this one i let rise overnight um you can see the sesame is on the bottom you mean it just, so, it just rose in the pan all night at room temperature yes wow and that's how we do our sicilians too um so we can we can cook them both off, and you can see the difference between the parmake and the just the the one one time around. Go. Excellent, excellent. Um, so after the after we let it rise, I check it about twenty minutes in to see if we need to push a little into the push it into the corners a little bit more because you know you don't want any space there. And then after that, you just, I don't mess with it because I don't want to crush any of those nice air pockets that we create. Right. Um, so today we are going to do. I call it an original tomato pie. That's what that's how Tony, or that's the style that Tony taught me what it was, was original tomato pie with the sliced mozzarella on the bottom and then the sauce on top. Okay. And the patties I make, I've never made Detroit style pizza, but I know that the cheese kind of goes to the edge and that's how, how we do our patties as well. So I really like that kind of cheese crust. It's not a huge cheese crust, it's just enough to get a little bit of crunch on the end. Yeah, exactly. So you do get a little bit of that, that roll off of the sides on the yeah it's interesting exactly. you know, when you think about it you know the, the detroit style is very hot right now and yet the, it is break it down they're all so similar to each other uh the, totally. the cans tend to be a little taller uh and maybe uh more cheese some some people like to put cheese under the crust they like to put a little parmesan down on the on the pan itself and bake that oh in. okay yeah i mean yeah it's a style that i haven't explored but i really need to because there's, there's never enough time, but you know, yeah. it's always 
learn new new styles. Well, once, you're, once you're open for business, it's like less R&D and more serve the customers. Yeah, right? It's <laughs> so can true. You, can you possibly tilt, tilt the camera a little bit down so we can see that? There you go. Perfect. Perfect. And I, so you're basically taking the cheese all the way out, covering full, fully the, the dough. Fully. You got it. Yeah. So I'm going to do the same thing on the parbake one. And is that, by the way, is that just um, full fat mozzarella? You got it. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. We always use the full fat. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I, I never really understood why people use part skim and then somebody... Well, I think our cheese rep said that it's because a lot of people like that cheese pull and the part skim is what creates that better than the full fat. Oh, really? That's you get more? Maybe you, you get more, more effort on that than I me. I didn't know that. I thought, I would have thought the opposite. I would have too. And I just, I've tried both and I've tried like the East Coast, well, we use Grande and I've tried like their East Coast blend and yeah. I just, I really just like the flavor of the full fat more. Yeah. So I, 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 you can't do. beat the flavor of full fat for sure. You really can't. Okay, so we're just gonna top this. This is a really simple pizza. We're just gonna kind of stripe that cheese on top, or the sauce on top, excuse me. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, so, um, we have a pretty basic tomato sauce. We use crushed tomatoes and a little uh, super dolce. We use Stanislaus. Um, uh -huh. So I think it's a little bit thicker than some people's blends, but. It does look a little thicker, yeah. Yeah. Is it but, hard to spread because it's thick? Is it what? Um, no, it's not bad. It's kind of just, it's a little cold too. I just took it out of the walk-in to be honest. <laughs> and I suppose because it is thicker, you have less problem of it running under the cheese and down the sides. Totally. Yeah. So I'm just going to stripe this on. Then I'll just swap these out and do the non-parvate. Uh, I didn't ask you this, but uh, what, what is the size, the dimensions of the pan and how, what's the weight of the dough? Uh, yeah, so this is a 14 by 14 pan, and the dough is 1.6 pounds. So what is that, like about 1,000 grams? Is that correct? Uh, no, 1,000 grams would be 2 pounds. Uh, 2 pounds. Two, oh, okay, so this is so, like 7 750 about? Yeah, and but, yeah. but you said 1.6 pounds of dough? Yes. So, so that's like uh, um, about 22 ounces maybe. Okay, yes. You got it. And that's uh, and then 14 by 14 pan. 14 by 14 pan. Yeah. Okay. And actually, I can show you our Sicilian pan. These are what we were using. These are the allied metal. Um, uh huh. These are, I think, 13 by 17. Yeah, different dimensions. Yeah. And so yeah. that's one way to differentiate between the two pizzas, too, right? The different. Uh, exactly. And, and same amount of dough goes in that pan? No, sorry, since the lands are a little bit more, they're 2.25 pounds. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. And we do it in pounds. The scale we have is always in pounds. So yeah, well, lot of, I know everyone. I still think, my mind still thinks yeah. in pounds and ounces, even though the world is mostly in grams. And it's yeah. more accurate, and I would try to encourage people to do that, but I, I, in my mind, still first defaults to, uh, you know, to, to pounds and ounces. So, yeah, I can, we have uh, one leftover since the lands. So, it's interesting because yeah. you've got the you got the sauce done in sort of stripes across the uh, the surface of the pizza, but you're not going to actually try to spread it then to cover the cheese. You're just going to let it melt on its own. Yeah. So this is our well, this is a day old Sicilian. This is from yesterday, but that's our Sicilian crust. Um, yeah, it kind of looks like so. focaccia in a way. Um, 
is it also all your are all your crusts made with sourdough natural leavening or do you use yeast in some no everything sourdough now okay yeah so we switched about two years ago at this point um so we used to do a vegan method um with yeast with commercial yeast yeah which was still amazing i love that method as well i just I feel like sourdough is this never-ending exploration of like yeah. learning, figuring it out, and yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's and it, and the and the world is coming. They used to say the uh, uh, the future of uh, the future of bread lies in its past, and I think the same thing with pizza crust. It's the, it's this, totally. is, this is the way it used to be done before the Fleischmann brothers came along and gave us instant yeast. And, you know, that's uh, so true. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so then the last thing we're gonna do before we bake it is just a little bit of garlic oil. So it's Ooh. just extra virgin olive oil and garlic. Oh, you can never have too much of that. That's what I think, too. <laughs> oh, good. We think alike. <laughs> <laughs> never too much garlic. My dad's a huge fan of garlic butter, and he's trying to get me to use it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Every year for his birthday, I make him like a compound garlic butter. <laughs> uh, so this is going to go in our oven. We're baking it at 575. The top heat's a little bit higher than the bottom, but the bottom's still um, at 5 and 7. And if, if somebody wanted pepperoni, would that go on now or later? Yeah, it'd go on now. You want me to throw some on? No, no, it's up to you. I, I'm, I'm more interested in seeing the technique, but I'm just curious okay. when, when the toppings go on. Yeah, Yeah. so all, almost all of our meats minus, you know, like our cured meats, like prosciutto, go on first. Our sausage is raw, so we just hand pinch it on. Um, and yeah. now and you've got the, one is on the bar bake and one is on the raw dough. Do they take a different amount of time to finish? Yeah, definitely. So the parvake will cook a lot quicker than the, the rod one. Alright, so we'll just wait for those to cook. And we have what is the usual bake time for the parbake pizza? The parbake, I believe it's around like ten minutes. So that's still a substantial amount of time. Even though it's fully baked, the crust looked like it was it was even caramelized, it was fully baked. But, yeah. but you got to wait for the cheese and sauce to catch up now. Exactly, yeah. I but mean, it might be closer to eight to ten minutes. Uh -huh. And then how long for the for the, for the the uh, unbaked crust and the, the full patty? It's about 15 minutes on that. So that's only a few minutes longer then, huh? Yeah. It's not that much longer. But, <laughs> so but it, you know, a little bit of time helps. And I think it's also just the fact that, you know, if you run out of the – the ones that you're rising, you have to re-push them out in service. It's been, we've done it all the different ways. But. So that's what I was going to ask you if, uh, you know, currently, uh, especially now that you've been pretty busy with, you know, with the curbside and everything else, uh, um, are you mainly making them on the par-bake or are you still primarily doing them on the unbaked? We're doing them unbaked right now, but this, just last week and this week, I'm trying to figure out, like solidify how we're going to do it. Yeah, I guess it's something. Once the show airs, it's going to be. Once the diner show airs, it's going to be nuts with those. It's exactly. Yeah. So that, and who knows when that'll air? But it could be. Which is a good thing. It's just trying to keep up. You know, you don't want to yeah. be out of things when people drive up for it. Well, how many different pizzas do you do you typically offer on your menu on any given night? Um, how many do we? I can count right now. We have like twelve pizzas. 12 different pizzas uh, and yeah and then people the, can make their own as well so let's say of those 10, 12 different types or you know the 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 options 
Uh, what percentage are you selling of the patties and the Sicilian and the, and the New York? The New York is definitely the majority. We only make 10 Sicilians a day. The patties are probably only selling like six a day right now. And you're selling the whole pies. You're not selling squares. Whole pies. Yeah. Okay. We do some. Sometimes we'll do squares in the window. Since we kind of switched to, we have garage. We can show you garage windows over here, and all the service is going through there now. So it's been a little difficult to. We just now made like slice boards to go outside. Um, uh, uh, well, it, well, it's yeah, a garage. You've got to have the garage doors. Yeah. So. <laughs> Slices have been a little more challenging. Like normally we are a slice house and we sell tons of slices, but just figuring out how to do that without having people come into the restaurant has been a little bit of a shift. And initially it was people mostly just getting whole pies. Uh, now that more businesses are opening up, not just restaurants, but just like offices, we're getting a lot more of our lunch business back. So people want more slices. So, but, again, but, but the slices are mainly primarily the New York style slices, not the Sicilian squares of slices. Are, are you saying exactly? Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. When I opened the place, I actually had a vision that all the slices would be squares, and then like no one here really got the concept. So, <laughs> like, if it doesn't compute, if you didn't grow up with it, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I and even living in San Francisco, there were a few places that just had square slices and they were so good. And yeah. so I was like, oh, no, nobody in Boulder is doing it. And now I kind of know why. Did you so ever go, uh, when you lived in San Francisco, did you ever go to Ligoria, to the Ligoria Bakery in North Beach? Yeah. yeah. Well, that was right around the corner from Tony's, I guess. So uh, you would know. Uh -huh. I mean, I when I lived in San Francisco, Tony's, I mean, way back in the 70s, uh, Tony's didn't, didn't exist then. And Ligoria okay. was sort of, they kind of ruled North Beach with that focaccia style pizza that so they good. had. Yeah. And Golden Boy, did you ever go there and get their square slices? I never, no, I never got Golden Boy because I always just went to Liguria. That was my like, you know, you, when you, you dial in on one place. Back then I wasn't thinking about Pizza Quest. I was just eating pizza, you know, so. Great. So it's Golden Boy is around the corner from Tony's too and it's, they only serve square slices and it's open like really late. So after, you know, we got off work from Tony's, we go and get yeah, more you, pizza. Yeah, you well, you know, after an hour or two, you bake out, you want more something to yeah, eat. So. Right. Tony's is close. You go to Golden Boy, right? Which their uh, food is great as well. So there's no, so much I, good food in that one, like, square block. Did you, did you ever eat a cafe sport in North Beach? Yeah. That was my favorite place, my favorite go-to place in North Beach when I was living there. Uh, and they, they had this... Uh, this chapino that they just they they, they, yeah. they called it seafood, and then they had killer pesto pastas. But uh, that's yeah, that's right. It was also, hard to get in. To go back now. It was a place <laughs> that was very very hard to get in into because you had to almost know somebody to get in, and if you tried to call in on their system, they would never answer the phone, so you just couldn't get in. So you'd have to sometimes just show up and beg them to let you in or, or else throw a scene of some sort, you know, a temper tantrum in order, because they respected that. If you got like really angry with them, then they'd let you in. <laughs> that's nice. so great. It's old school. Yeah, sure. old, totally. The, the guy was named Tony Latona. He was from Sicily and he was like really old school, you know, and he would work in this tiny kitchen about the size of your oven. The kitchen was about the size of your oven. And he would like, you know, work, they'd come out sweating and then he'd walk through the dining room and just check with everybody, see if you were okay. And then he'd go back and make some more food. It was, it was a scene. It was really like a, a definite San Francisco happening. To be there. That's awesome. Have you been back in, in the last few years? I have not been because Tony passed away, I think about 10 years ago. I think oh. the restaurant's still there. I have no idea. 
you know, who's running the kitchen. I mean, you have to have yeah. a special kind of constitution to be able to work in a kitchen that small, you know, where, where it was just so hot and so, so closed in. And then the dining room was just full of like hundreds and hundreds of tchotchkes that Tony would have had collected from around the world. So it was kind of like a little museum. It was Tony's place, basically. It was called Cafe Sport, but it really was Tony Latono's, you know, little empire. Oh, and to any so kind of the emperor, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to check the size really quick. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. Do you want to do a zoom in on them? Yeah, definitely. So you can see this is our carbake, and they're almost even size now. This is our uh, raw one. Wow, it really puffs. And that was with, oh, that one had added about 45 minutes or so, 40 to 45 minutes of, of rising time before you put it in. So it had a little yeah. bit of a start, and then it And I feel like I would have liked a little bit longer, but... So that's our par bake. It's getting close. Yeah. And this is our raw one. Or non-par bake. It's beautiful. It's, it's looking good too, actually. I kind of like the way those tomato stripes work. You know, you didn't try to spread it to cover. You just made the stripes and it gives a great design to the top. Yeah, I like it. Was that too. something that you did or was that something that, that uh, your mom did when she made hers? Um, it's something that I've been doing recently. It's yeah, she didn't. She didn't do that actually, but she, she enjoys eating these now. So so let's call it the patties, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> Even though it's not, it's not a hundred percent true to her way of doing it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's my own version of her pizza. It's a tribute to her. Yeah, a tribute pizza. Yeah, and and part of the tribute is is the sesame seeds on the undercrust, right? Exactly. Yeah, it was mainly the sesame seeds, and when I was first, she hadn't made it in actually years. She. She's so busy now that, I mean, she's still, and I am the one who makes all the pizza, but um, when I was playing around, I was like, oh, did you put the sesame seeds on the bottom and the top? So we tried it a few different ways, and this is the one that we settled on. <laughs> I have to try doing that. I love the idea of sesame seeds on the undercoast. Yeah, it's, it's nice. I mean, I love sesame seeds on anything, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. At our bagel stores, like, I only, well, not only, but sesame seed bagels are my favorite. Sesame candies. <laughs> anything with those sesame seeds. All right, let's check this out. I think it's like another minute on okay. that. Well, we, can, we can wait. We can keep talking. Yeah. Um, Take a stroll so. through memory lane. So you said that Boulder now uh, has uh, uh, more pizzerias and Mills. Now you're, you've got Mills in Boulder. You mentioned Andy Clark, who has the Moxie Bakery in Louisville, which is basically a suburb of Denver and Boulder. Um, yeah, it's kind of in between. And Andy's a friend of mine and a uh, phenomenal baker. I think he got nominated for a James Beard Award. I mean, he's, yeah. and he's come a long way. I, I knew him when he was the head baker for Whole Foods Bakehouse. They, oh, you did? So you guys go uh, way back. Yeah, yeah. And he was uh, Yeah, they're doing some pretty incredible stuff there. Um, so I haven't been to, to Moxie Bakery uh, since he opened it, but uh, I understand it's great. And, I, and, and I'm glad to know that you're connected with him because, you know, he's the real deal when it comes to breads. Yeah, you'll have to make a trip out here now. <laughs> I, um, well, believe me, it was on my list of places to go until we got shut down. I know. All right. So this is our car bake. Beautiful. Audrey, do you ever put, where I, in addition to the cheese underneath, do you ever put any fresh cheese on top? Fresh cheese? Like, uh, like, like fresh, fresh mozzarella or, or, uh, or ricotta or anything, you know, uh, any, yeah, any soft absolutely. stuff. Yeah, we do. Um, we do ricotta. We do. We do burrata after it comes out of the oven. Burrata. Um, oh, that sounds nice. Yeah. Yeah, and 
you know, we, I went through a phase of like learning how to make fresh mozz, but it doesn't, in, at least in my opinion, it doesn't quite translate on a New York style pizza because it cooks a little bit too long and it kind of breaks uh, down the cheese and loses, for me at least, like the, the whole beauty of fresh mozz is that it's only in the oven for a little bit, so it retains that freshness. Yeah. But I think, actually, since we have the Pizza Master, we're going to start playing around with a little bit hotter temperatures. So normally, the grandmas and the Sicilians, we bake at 550 to 575, but our New York style, we're cooking at about 650. Um, but the oven gets up to like 930, so we need to, we need to start exploring that a little bit more. You could, you could make uh, Neapolitan, Neapolitan-ish pizzas in, at that temperature. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there's so many, so many options. So the cheese crust, you kind of just got to get that out of the way a little bit. Yes. And also the beauty of the parbake, I've realized, is normally when we put it in raw, we have to take it out of the pan and then cook it a little bit longer to crisp up the bottom because any good pizza person knows you need that bottom really crispy, right? Yeah. But this one is kind of, it's already there. So you can see it's nice and crispy already, that bottom. And the sesame seeds don't burn when you... Uh, no, you know, yeah, so we don't, we don't um, like, pre-toast them at all because they, they crisp up already on the pan. Yeah. Or they, yeah. Or they toast one when they're in there. It's got, but, it's got great... Yeah, so great this one's a little bit more structurally sound, I've noticed. I think our, I think our parvet, or our raw one's actually... Good. All right. So that wasn't even five more minutes, that was... Amazing. It'll be interesting to see how uh, how close they are in, uh, on the end side. Right. So, and while you're while you're releasing it from the pan, uh, are, are there finishing garnishes that you typically use, or no garnishes? It goes out ungarnished. Yeah. So we're gonna add a little bit of um, fresh or dried oregano and Sicilian dried oregano and some grated parm. Ah. Okay. And that's going to be our our finishers. And I think that the grated parm just adds that little bit extra saltiness. And um, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't think you can ever go wrong adding some parm or romano to the to the top. But <laughs> yeah, right. But the um, the, the I'm, I'm glad to see that you're saying it's it's harder to get it out because I, that's the problem I have when I do the the on the unbaked crust is that it tends to. It's it's like a crapshoot. Sometimes you're worried after all that work that you're, just, you're not going to be able to get it out of the pan without it like breaking in half or something. Yeah, and it's funny actually with these pans. I think because they're a little bit newer, I've noticed they stick a lot more. Whereas the Ally pans, they kind of pop right out. Uh -huh. And I don't know if that's just because they're so seasoned at this point. You know, we've had them for almost five years. Right. That, that it really just pops out, but. Okay, yeah, well, um, Audrey, while, while you're getting this one out of the pan, we're gonna we're gonna take a break, and we're okay. gonna uh, and we're gonna reload our. We only get so many minutes on the Zoom, so we're gonna oh, reload perfect. and come back with a fresh slate. So I'm gonna let you take this out. We're gonna we're gonna um, just take a short break, but we're gonna continue uh, with another round of finishing up and tasting the pizza with Audrey perfect. Sherman. Perfect. Uh, that sounds great. Garage. We'll see you guys in a minute. We'll see you all soon. Come on back.
Wow. So now we're seeing both pizzas. We've got the, uh, the par-bake and the, uh, un the un-par-bake, the, the, the raw dough. And do you need to pop them back in, did you say? She's grabbing a peel. One sec. Okay. Um, yeah, so the par-bake, we're just going to throw back in for like, it's, you know, like 30 seconds just to cook that bottom a little bit more. Okay. Um, but it's almost done. Pretty close. Do you, do you, do you typically we'll show do you once it gets closer, one of the things I do like about the raw one is that the cheese crust kind of, I feel like all the flavors kind of melt together a little bit better than when you do the par-bake, but par-bake so is the, pretty close. It's a little more structural sound. The one that's sitting there now, that's the one that was on the raw dough, right? No, so this is the par-bake. Oh, the par So the one that went back in was the raw bake. Oh, yes. Did I, did I mistake that? Yeah. <laughs> that but so, so in other words, it needs just a little bit more direct caramelization on the bottom exactly yeah because the bottom doesn't cook quite enough and you know you that's, want that that's really one of the challenges with the raw dough. I, at least you're able to get it out of the pan that's the key we finally got it out of the pan yeah <laughs> oh, it's looking pretty good but yeah so, that, that has some nice leoparding there yeah. yeah yeah and you can see like cheese crust that's what i like about the raw dough is the cheese like really just it's very cohesive with the the dough yeah it's a it's really just beautifully i like the. i just i'm taken by the the cut the contrast by using this the sauce that way the thicker sauce in stripes you do get a visual contrast between the cheese and the sauce that you don't typically get if you just spread the sauce over everything yeah and we do it both ways like our sicilians we normally kind of soft the whole thing uh -huh. um so this is just a little bit of grated parmesan okay yeah Obviously, if we're making this for a customer, I would be wearing gloves, but... Yeah. You know. Uh, this is some just like Sicilian oregano, and do a little bit on top. Nice. Nice. And then just some fresh basil. And just let, just, let, just let it wilt on the hot pizza. Yeah, exactly. And it's just a really simple pie, but it's actually one of my favorites. So, how much does a one of these uh, patty pies cost? Uh, to, to, pies to, so yeah, an original tomato pie is going to be twenty one dollars, or, or no, twenty two dollars for like this pie would be twenty two dollars here. And then if they want pepperoni or something else, then then you just add per topping. Exactly. Yeah, we do like two dollars topping. And well, the the hand pinch sausage is actually my favorite on. Styles. It's really yeah, that good. sounds pretty good. <laughs> and did you, is, that, is that sausage that you that you make or you buy? We make the sausage in house. Um, yeah, and I think it's because it's we pinch it on raw, like some of the juices blend with everything. Yeah. Um, so should we cut these and do a little comparison of the structure? Absolutely. Now, I've already forgotten which one is the par bake and which one is the raw. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so this is going to be our par bake, and okay. this is our raw. Okay. Raw dough. So of yeah. course, since I'm not gonna, I don't have the pleasure of being able to taste it. Uh, we're gonna rely know, on, your, on, on your uh, sort of description, your narrative as to any differences and, and nuances. Totally. Yeah. So you can see the. 
this is the par bake and it has some nice structure in the middle. Yeah, yeah. It's still thin because it's, you know, that's in my, in my opinion, at least a grandma should be a little bit thinner than a Sicilian. Yeah, but it's still, it has a really nice, it's some nice aeration in there. Yeah. Yeah. And then let's see that non-par bake. This one's going to be a little bit denser. Now, if you had let it go instead of 40 minutes, if you had let it rise for an hour or an hour and a half, would it be a little more like the... The par bake. A little stuff? airier, yeah. It would be a little closer, but it's still got a, a nice, yeah. Yeah. They're not, they're not as different as you would think. I think is the, the idea there. If, I'll bet if you had like a, a focus group in there of thirty customers and you did a block of tasting, you'd probably get a fifty-fifty split as to which which one would win. Right. Yeah. So yeah. So that's the par bake. I don't know if it's easier if I just hold it up. Yeah, well, that one had the benefit of baking without toppings on it, so it continued to it didn't get weighed down by the sauce. Exactly. Yeah, totally. That's that is exactly it. It's well stated. But you can see that the raw one is a little bit denser, which yeah. actually I like. I know everything's all about that like super crispy pizza, but I kind of like the. Well, that one reminds me more of what I what I had when I ate at Umberto's was the the the, the denser. Yeah, it was tighter. Not denser, but tighter holes, you know, so, yeah. it's, so, so it didn't seem as airy uh, as the... Did you as, say at King Umberto's? No, I ate it at, at the original Umberto's. There's like Umberto's okay. and there's King Umberto's. So, and so I never have been to King Umberto's. I only ate at Umberto's. And, uh, okay. Which, and of course, they have a big battle over who, who invented it, who, who, who claims bragging rights for the title. I think it's a, totally. family, a family spat that they have to resolve between themselves. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to talk to uh, just some folks from King Umberto's and try to get the, the real story. We'll have that in a future. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, like, because I've talked to a few different people about their grandmas, and we've tried them at a bunch of different places, and they're all very different. Like, we were at King Umberto's last, last summer and had their grandma completely different than anything I've ever had. And it was amazing. It was, like, yeah. you know, one of the best grandmas I've had, but it was such a different style than other ones yeah yeah well I, I think that they're they are different from even from each other just like uh you know if you go to new haven and you go to uh you know frank uh, frank pepe's or sally's they're a block apart and yeah. both, they both have fanatical followings and they both you know have long histories and, and yeah. uh, you know you just kind of have to pick and choose which you know if you live in new haven you have to choose between them if you're like me and you're coming in from out of town you can be you can be unbiased and you can say i love them both Totally. But I think that's like one of the beauty of having a pizzeria is like you're, you're putting out your food like what you what you want to cook, you know. I don't really like labeling things like as a traditional style because exactly. I don't make it traditionally, you know. I make it how I want to make it. So this it, is why it's more of a patty style than a, a grandma to me at least. Yeah, and I like the fact that it's really a tribute and really all pizzas are in a sense a tribute to some inspiration. With, I mean, whether it's Neapolitan or Neo-Neapolitan or whatever. Uh, and yeah. look, we all have, every grandma is different, right? If, if, if two different grandmas made a pizza, they were going to come out differently from each other. So why should every pizzeria have the same exact pizza? Yeah, no, I agree. And that's, yeah, 
you don't want every pizzeria to have the same because that would just be boring. <laughs> yeah, but then what's the you point? Know? Yeah. So, uh, so uh, have you taken taken a bite of either? Or are you? Uh, in yeah, a bite I mean, my husband's back here. But yeah. <laughs> Why don't we? Like, can we get your husband on camera? Can we? Get I don't know the one. Should we get? Should we get his opinion? Yeah, can you get him on camera? We want to meet him. Okay. What do you think, babe? I'll, I'll munch on mine while you're talking to him. Um, this is, this so is which one are you like, eating right now? One bite. Everybody knows the rules. Um, <laughs> it's delicious. It's amazing. I love this stuff. Mm. The carbs on the edge. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, can you tell the yeah. difference babe, between uh, the the par bake and the uh, the unbaked version? I I can. So this is the. The unbaked version, and it's just like really light and airy. I mean, they're both light and airy. I like the raw. Mm-hmm. Perfect, really good too. I would. My my tendency is to think that, and my experience has been, although I've I've been proven wrong, but by tasting some of the uh, pies that uh, Jeff Smokovich has made at uh, Pizza Expo, where he does a par bake, uh, and and he retains that creamy texture that you usually only get with a single bake. But he pulled it off, and I think more and more people are learning how to do that. Um, but I find that the 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 uh, making it on the single bake, unbaked, that you get a creamier texture. You know, when you bite into it, you still get the snap. Uh, but uh, that's a good way of describing it. Yeah, but it's uh, but they're both equally good. The, the main thing, the, the only sin is if you if it's dry, if it tastes dry and cardboardy, which you know neither of these are doing. So mm -hmm. as long as you've still got some moisture in there and a good full bake, then you're going to get a great pie. I agree. And I think, yeah, it's that, that little bit higher hydration and also letting it rise. Like I think really knowing the fermentation process makes yeah. it not dry out. Yeah. Well, but, well, you're getting to have all the fun right now. I wish I could be I there. Know, I, wish you guys here. I, I would love <laughs> to biting into one of those, but I think that as soon as we sign off, I'm going to have to run into my kitchen and just, pull some dough out and make some pizza now because I'm really getting hungry. But the beautiful, <laughs> beautiful pizzas, Audrey, and thank you so much thank for you. walking us through the whole process of, of making your, your tribute to the grandma pizza that you call the patty, which is a of tribute course, to thanks you. Thanks so much for having me. It's a, pl a pleasure having you. We'd love to have you back. In fact, we're going to have you back with Laura Meyer. We want to get you back together yes. and, talk, and, and, and further explore, you know, your, your, your pizza journeys, you know, both as business owners and as, pizza olas you know in the in the ever-expanding pizza universe so thank you I thank you so that. much again for for having us and we will see you on the next and we'll see all of you who are watching on the next episode of pizza talk thank you for joining us and thank you audrey thank you from boulder, Thanks, Peter. We'll see you audrey later. pizza garage in boulder colorado and thanks dave for being the cameraman pizza quest is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org, and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please 
Join the HRN family by becoming a member. Thanks for listening.